my pleasure. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. And to top off this morning, you get me as your speaker. I mean, you know, what a way to finish the year. Bring this guy back. Um, so listen, it is a great honor to be here among uh, brothers and sisters in the Church of Jesus Christ. What a great way uh, to be ending uh, this particular year. Hey, just a, uh, a brief word about um, somebody that you probably hear from but don't hear about a lot. Uh, his name is Josiah. He's your pastor. And I know many pastors. Um, and I, I want to say that uh, from, from my just walk with him over the years, uh, before he started, we didn't know each other that well, hardly at all, actually, before you started. And then we, be, we began to gather, just you and I, um, as you were in the planting process, and then uh, just having walked with you and, and watched you raise your family and uh, use you to shepherd this family. You have a real gift uh, from the heart of God to your heart uh, in Josiah and in Kimber and in that family. And so uh, I want you to know that the guy that you hear from um, is, is really God's best uh, for you, and you should receive that and just... Uh, be joyful in the fact that God loves you uh, incredibly enough to give you Jesus and Josiah behind him. So, well done, good and faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for this opportunity to be here, to share your word. Lord God, I ask that uh, you would be in our midst. God, that you would fill us with your great presence you would bring to life the promises of Scripture, and uh, your power would rest upon us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, let's get current, because the last time most of you heard from me was a year ago. So uh, I am uh, a bit older, and uh, you are a bit older as a church plant, which is super awesome. And so I want to get current with you a little bit. You might uh, not have any idea who I am. And so I brought my family with me uh, via picture right here, because... Um, you know, you, you probably wouldn't want all of us uh, necessarily in the Boca Black Box. So here we are right here. Um, this is, uh, is kind of who, who I am. So I'm married to Catherine, and uh, we've been married for, it'll be 25 years uh, this May. Um, so that uh, is a great uh, blessing. Uh, you've got Caroline, our oldest daughter. She's 19, home from uh, Butler University where she plays volleyball, and that's been a big part of our life. Uh, you got Cole there. Uh, over to the left, who's growing rapidly, um, and uh, he's a, a freshman in high school and plays a lot of baseball. And then you have uh, Kate and Cora, our two unexpected additions. Um, we, we thought the inn was closed, and uh, there was no more room, but the Lord was like, no, wait, you're going to foster, and then you're going to adopt. Uh, I, thought, I thought he said a child. But actually, it was children. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes you mishear from the Lord. And so that's uh, Cade. He's five. And uh, that's his sister, uh, our daughter, Cora. She is four. And so that's, that's our family. But um, just kind of the way that I don't, I don't know if this is, this is how God has made me or remade me in Christ. But um, just to kind of keep it real, if we're going to get current, um, I just wrote a few things down that would help me to uh, really get current with you. Uh, so we're, there's two adults in that picture in their mid-40s um, trying to make marriage and parenting and work life thrive, but um, oftentimes pretty exhausted, and uh, much of the time with a seemingly relentless battle uh, of selfishness and anxiety. Speaking for myself, 
mostly on that one. There's also two teenage uh, kids there present, uh, just trying to figure out beginning college and high school behind a mask and a screen and, you know, a hybrid of all that stuff and uh, having missed a graduation and, well, had it online, which is super weird, and um, had prom-ish and all those sort of things and just trying to figure out life in COVID uh, days. And then you have two kids under six uh, in that picture uh, who are trying to figure out life away from their biological parents in a world where there are not many people that look like them. And so that's, that's our family. And uh, we're doing well, but we're stretched. And we're oftentimes thin, and our brokenness hurts each other and people around us. Um, and that's us. That's us. And Jesus loves us just as we are and is continuing to transform us and make us more and more into his image. And this is you. So this is you. Here's, here's what I know about you. You guys are um, almost three years old, and um, you have a heart uh, for this region and for the city of uh, Deerfield Beach. Uh, you have a desire to bring this great exchange that we talk about, the exchange of, of Jesus's righteousness um, for our sin, and um, it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful heart that you have uh, for the city that God has called you into, and you desire to connect with lost people so that they might be brought into um, the the fullness of joy that God has for them, and you also desire to strengthen those uh, who do know Him and uh, equip them to send them, and and that's awesome and that's beautiful. I love. Uh, being a part of what you guys are a part of. But I also know that this is also location number seven in three years. I don't know if that's like, I don't know if you're setting a record or is that like, I'm not exactly sure where to put that. We also, we're, we're only 10 years old. It's not like we know what we're doing either. But like we, you know, we've kind of, we've definitely been wandering, um, you know, if you know any kind of Old Testament stories, been wandering in the desert a little bit. And so we understand what it means to be able to kind of have to be nimble and, and you know, flexible in the process. But I also, also know there's like an exhaustion to that where there's really, you know, you, you kind of want a place to have your stuff and lay your head and, and be consistent and not wonder if your truck's going to start every morning, depending on the weather. Um, so I know, I, know that, I know that journey. You're trying to figure out also... I mean, you, you might not be a part of the exchange. This could be your first time at the exchange. This, you could be newcomers. You could be online checking us out. Hello, online community. We love you. Um, and so you might not be feeling the journey necessarily of the exchange, but you're feeling your own journey where you're trying to figure out your own career. You're trying to figure out your own family dynamic. You're trying to figure out your own heart and mind and brokenness and why you don't work the way you always want to work and you know joy's out there, but sometimes it feels like sand that kind of you get to hold for a minute and keeps slipping through your fingers. And then, of course, there was 2020. You don't really need to do a ton of work on 2020. You, you, guys, know, you guys know what that was like. Well, my point is this. Um, I, I think without a ton of explanation. Most of us know what it's like to be in the desert, to, 
to be in a place, whether you're right there now or not, to be in the desert is to be in a place where you're surrounded by difficult circumstances. You're, you can't really completely see where you came from, nor can you completely see where you're going. You just know it's, it's hot. It's exhausting. And you're doing your best to, to hold on to hope. You might be there now. You might have been there. You might know somebody who's there. But I think the desert is really a place for all of us to be able to, at least for a few moments, connect on what, what, what's it like to um, believe the gospel or, or have good news in the midst of surroundings that are not necessarily the kindest to us? Author Paul Tripp, pastor, uh, writes uh, uh, this sentiment, which has really been helping us in our Advent season, and he says this, what has captured the wonder of our hearts will control the way we live. I'm going to read that again slowly. What has captured the wonder of our hearts, that is what will control the way we live. I don't want to ask you the question if you agree with that or not. I just simply want to ask you the question is, what has captured the wonder of your heart this morning? Like, like right now, what are you most captivated by? And I think the more appropriate question is who? Who are you most captured by? Well, it's an invitation um, that I think the Lord has for you guys uh, to be captured by the person of Jesus, and that's our, uh, that's our goal today. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse, looking at verses uh, 1 through 6, and um, if not, it'll be behind me uh, on the screens here. And um, again, it's one thing uh, to be captured by this person of Jesus. It's another thing to be captured by this person of Jesus when you're in the desert. I know you guys have been doing some work um, through a series where it was kind of like uh, a topic and the gospel. You familiar with that? Okay, so it would be like, you know, just give me one of them, Josiah. Sexuality and the gospel. We're going to look at the desert and the gospel. Believing that there are many things that can capture your mind and heart in the desert. I just want to invite you to be captured by Jesus, whether you're in that desert right now or not. I'm wondering, um, before we do that, uh, deeply theological question, you guys ready? I know it's Sunday after Christmas. Okay, I understand, I understand my surroundings, but I'm going to go deep with you just for a second. Have you guys seen the movie Rocky? Rocky? Anybody? Any Rocky fans? Okay, cool, cool. Rocky. Okay, listen, the, the cool, we're big Rocky fans in my house. You have to understand, Rocky is one of those things that kind of captures our hearts. It's like we could be first day of school, my wife has a big interview, and, you know, somebody's got surgery, and we walk by the TV, and we're like, oh, Rocky's on? Oh, <laughs> I'm sure everybody will be okay. Okay, come here, come here, guys. Look, it's Rocky. Oh, it's number two. Oh, this is when he fights Apollo, and they both fall. Oh, we don't need to watch three. I know it's a marathon. We'll just skip right to four, because that's when he fights the Russian guy. It's awesome. We love Rocky in our house. 
And one of the things, and this happened with my 15-year-old son, he was up super late the other night after we had watched uh, number two. I don't know if he went on to watch three and four. And he's like, yeah, I worked out and I ran around the block a bunch. I'm talking about like super late at night. And, uh, and I was like, oh, you watched Rocky, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. He got all motivated by Rocky to go, to go do Rocky stuff. And the thing about Rocky movies is this. I have found that it's a lot easier and actually more enjoyable to watch Rocky than to actually do what Rocky does. I mean, it's actually kind of motivating to think about doing what Rocky does or read about doing what Rocky does or even watch other people do what Rocky does. But when I go out there and I try to do what Rocky does, it like hurts, I sweat. I get exhausted. I realize my limits. I remember what a scrawny dude I am when I'm out there and I'm like, oh my goodness, he does this for like three minutes? I'm a trip. You know, it's a lot easier to read Romans 5 than it's going to be to live it. But let's go ahead and, and, and take a look at it and See what God might have to say for you individually and in us as a church. Paul, writing to the Christians in Rome, says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We rejoice in our sufferings. Let me set up the passage here. Now, this is not for everyone. This is not universal rejoicing in suffering for the entire world. He's, he begins the passage by qualifying it. And he says, since we have been justified. And so what that means is that we've experienced the name of your church, this great exchange. Because we, when, when you were born, when I was born, we were born actually separated from God in our sinfulness. And then we grew up and we actually got good at our sin nature. We, we were born sinners, but then we started to choose sin over and over and over again. And sin separates us from a holy and just and righteous God. It's our biggest enemy, far bigger than what you're trying to protect yourself behind a mask from. Our sin enemy will wipe us out for eternity from a holy God. But God, in his love for us, he wanted to exchange our sin problem, our sinfulness, for his righteousness, which is really the only way that he can have a relationship with us. And so in his love for us is what he did. He's like, I'm not leaving you how I found you. Isn't it great when somebody will, will, will fully receive you as you are, but they'll love you enough not to leave you there? That's a friend. That's for you when you know somebody fully loves you. Anyways, and so God fully knows us. He fully loves us. 
And as he receives us as sinners, he's like, I can't leave you there because then you and I would be separated for eternity. He sends his son, Jesus, to live in our place. And he lives this perfect life. And then at the age of 33, goes to a cross. And that's where this great exchange takes place. And your sin, my sin, our brokenness, the fullness of it, even things you couldn't imagine doing three years from now that you're going to step into, Jesus already stepped into on the cross. And the Father pours out his wrath, the very thing that would separate us for eternity on Jesus. And he dies in our place, and he's dead. It's, it's over. And he, and he pays for our sins completely. And, and when the payment is done, the receipt is an empty grave because where there is no sin, there is no death. And so when Jesus rises from the dead, which he did, he proved that he had paid for our sins completely. And the exchange was now possible for someone like you and for someone like me to come just as we are and receive God's righteousness, his forgiveness, his cleansing in Christ because he took our sin. God's a fair and just God. He doesn't need to punish sin twice. If we will receive the due penalty that Christ received in our place, then we can receive the righteousness and the forgiveness and the holiness of God. It's the great exchange. It's how we get justified. It's how we get made right before a holy God. There's no effort on our part that will ever satisfy that requirement. But when you quit on yourself and your life outside of Christ, and you turn from your sin, your suffering, and your definition of where to find life before Jesus, and you rest in Christ and Christ alone, then you're made justified. You're made right before a holy God. You're made a son or a daughter. And now when you suffer, you actually can rejoice. You actually are given something that the rest of the world is not. If you have not come to that place of receiving Jesus by faith as your Savior and Lord, well then, when you suffer, you should weep and despair. Your suffering should remind you of a suffering that is to come which will be eternal. But in Christ, in the love of God, our suffering is actually giving us things that we couldn't have outside of that suffering. And, and that's what this passage is helping us to realize. Well, what are the three things that we get? Endurance, character, and hope. See, the deserts, suffering, if you will, the first thing that it produces in us is endurance, the ability to keep going. This is huge. Whether you're a believer or not, this is a huge benefit in life. You understand that, right? Like, the, the people who are most successful, the people who end up changing industries and, and, and changing the world, as a matter of fact, these are people who all, most of them at least, have a common ability to keep going. I could name names, Steve Jobs, Phil in the blank, like Bill Gates, over and over. And even even for, for evil causes, the ability to keep going 
is radically important in the world. You know, I love, I love the gospel so much because the gospel is more than forgiveness. You understand that. It's the cornerstone of it is forgiveness, and now we're justified. Now we can go. But I think sometimes we short sell the gospel because the gospel actually gives us an endurance that, that the world values and needs, that the world is looking for. The cool part about the gospel is because in the gospel we always win by losing, because that's how Jesus did it, we actually get the things the world wants in the same pattern. We win by losing. We get them in the desert. And endurance is one of those things that we get in the desert. As a matter of fact, we get endurance in the desert in a way that we can't get it outside the desert, at least in my experience. Now, God is sovereign, and God can give you whatever he wants whenever he wants, right? I mean, we just celebrated a virgin birth, so, like, I'm, I'm not going to prescribe how God has to work. I'm just saying, in my experience, the way that I have gotten probably the most ability to endure is in the desert, There is a unique gifting that happens of your ability to keep going that you can't get outside the desert. So if you find yourself in the desert this morning, there's reason to rejoice, but that's not it because you don't just get this ability to keep going. You know, if you just had an ability to keep going without character and without hope, you could be pretty dangerous. But actually, you get character. Now, what what is character? Well, character is an inside work, okay? Character is something that happens on the inside. And again, as I look at this passage, I'm understanding that the desert produces character. Well, God in the desert, but, but when you find yourself in that difficult place, it's, it's like we're getting this ability, watch, to look like Jesus, which is really what the full definition of character is, in a way that we don't get it anywhere else. I would love to get my character over here when everything is awesome. Like, like when, when my wife and I were dinks, double income, no kids, I mean, that's what, that's, you know, we, what do you want to do? Oh, you want to go to the Keys? Sure. I mean, we've got two incomes. We've got no responsibility. Well, let's do it. No problem. Like, yeah, baby, let's go. Or, or you know, like when, when life was super easy and we didn't have to think about trauma that a little baby had experienced by not being with his or her biological mom and the fact that we're now paying the price for that. That wasn't part of our, like, existence back over here. I, I would have... Love to sign up for character and endurance over here when life wasn't nearly as messy or broken. And, and check this out. Uh, even though I want and I pray for more of an appetite for this, I think I would, there's at least a decent little part of me, big part of me, that would choose to still get my endurance and my character over there. But we're looking at this passage and we're seeing that like, hey, it it appears that the desert produces character in a way that, you know, non-desert times can't or don't often. Again, 
Perhaps one of the greatest gifts that all of humanity wants is character because even though you want somebody that can continue to endure and keep going, you want them to be people of character. We all cheer like the athlete who is awesome but also knows how to have a level of humility whether they know Jesus or not. We're all, we're all kind of behind that, that girl or that guy. And so the world wants this. How much so should we as people who are trying to make an invisible God made visible through our lives want this? So if you're all about like helping people to meet Jesus and, and, and experience the love of Jesus, we have to remember that this is an invisible person that we talk so much about. And the way that he is made visible, his aroma, his scent, his personhood comes to life to people who don't know Jesus, oftentimes through you. So if this is where we get made like Jesus, this should probably be a place we have a greater appetite for and not be so quick to want to escape. Well, the third thing we get is hope. Hope. Hope is a lot of things, and th this is just something I put to, put to words. It's, it's not the greatest definition, but... It worked for me. It's a relentless yes, no matter what. And I don't think we get it anywhere else outside the desert. I mean, hope, you know, the scripture talks about it as like belief in something that is unseen or unrealized yet. And it's like, it allows you to, you know, still have this, this favor of heart towards this unthing, unthe, unseen thing. And I'm just, I'm just saying, Man, it's, a, it's like a relentless, yes, Jesus has this. Yes, the love of God will triumph over 2020. It'll be the most prevalent thing in 2021. And no matter what comes our way, you can't keep me down because there's an empty tomb that defines my life. It doesn't matter what happens in my marriage. It doesn't ha matter what happens to my kids. It doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter if I never beat the anxiety that has called my name. This is not an example. This is real life stuff for years. It doesn't matter if I never beat it and own it and am and, and able to say, you're no longer a part of my life. I still have a hope that one day Jesus will renew this thing completely. And so I can say a relentless yes even when this is not working out the way I want it to. Well, where did I get that? I got it in the desert. I got it when I was like all sandy and messy and scared, dependent. So the desert ultimately gives us this hope that does not what? It doesn't disappoint. Well, what is the only thing in life that will never disappoint you? His name is Jesus. It's the only thing in life that will never disappoint you. So, and just go ahead, just for a quick survey, um, look back on your life and think of that one time where you really trusted Jesus and he really didn't show up. It's probably not there, or you're probably getting clarity over a situation that if you think happened like that, God's continuing to reveal some more stuff to you. So what this passage is telling us is that in the desert, 
we get a greater experience of Jesus. I'm going to give you what your heart desires most, more and more and more in the desert. So just stay with me. Just stay with me. The two problems that we have probably right now are this. Number one is you may not want that. You may actually not want what your heart longs for the most. Have you ever, have you ever like noticed that? I mean, Josiah's talking about a fast. We're going to do a fast. And I'm just like, oh, man, what? but I love all that stuff. You know, it's like I, sometimes I think I love the stuff of God more than the person of God. And so problem number one might be that you don't want more of Jesus. You just want out of the desert. And, and that's actually not what I'm going to address today. As a matter of fact, I think the spiritual health that you're going to look into over the next year will probably help with that. All I can say is if, if that's kind of where you are, I love you. I know what it's like. I'm like one of you. And I can just say we're settling. As C.S. Lewis would say, our, our desires are just not strong enough. So ask the Lord to help you have stronger desires than just to get out of the desert. Number two is where we're going to spend a little bit of our time as we, as we switch passages to Ephesians chapter 6. Number two, the second problem you may have is that you might not be dressed for it. You might not be dressed for the desert. And that's a big problem because um, let, let me just, I got two words uh, for you that, that kind of describe this for me. It's La Playa. And I'm not speaking Spanish. I know it means the beach. But it's actually a resort over in Naples that my father-in-law brings like 14 of us to. We have this huge family gathering in La Playa. And it is like a high-end resort where I, I, like, I couldn't afford to be there the way that we are there. Have you ever been in that situation where you're like with somebody and you're like, yeah, that's, this is what's up. This is what's up right now. But you, if you actually were there on your own like dime, you, you would maybe grab a lunch or, hey, let's do dessert here. But, but I, we stay there for multiple nights. And, and listen to this. This is what I wear. Something like this. A bathing suit with like a, like, you know, like a little swim shirt and some slides. That would be somewhat of my normal attire at La Playa. I mean, this is actually the type of place where you go to the pool, you go to the beach, and, and you know, you got a little um, thing in the ground, and you put up a little flag, and somebody comes by, and is like, how, how, can I, how can I serve you today, sir? And you're like, uh, we're going to go with some chicken fingers and four Cokes. Thank you. Now, that's awesome to be dressed in my slides and bathing suit and swim shirt and hat and sunscreen when I'm at the beach, the problem is it, it doesn't work in the desert. That's dangerous attire for the desert. And I think what my problem is and what your problem might be is not that you don't want more Jesus. It's that you're not dressed appropriately for the journey. And so Ephesians 6 helps us to figure out well, what does it look like to get dressed appropriately for the journey. Paul writes to this church in Ephesus and he tells them, like, this is, this is what you got to wear. You know, if, if you want to, you know, if, if you want to be strong in, in our terms, if you want to keep going in the desert and get all that God has for you in the desert, you have to be dressed for that, okay? And, and so, so Paul writes about it. Check this out, beginning in chapter 6 and verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Isn't that weird? 
Sometimes the Bible's weird, right? Like it just says weird things. If you read it slowly enough, you're like, that's just kind of weird. I'm going to be strong in somebody else's strength. That's not like normal American talk, right? Normal American talk is to leave the black box, go to intensity, whatever that thing is behind me where they got music and people working out and doing the Rocky thing, and go get strong. And here's the Bible. The Bible's like, go get strong in the strength of Jesus. I don't know. This is kind of like, that's weird. It's different to me. But hey, well, then he says, well, this is how you do it. Put on the armor of God. All right, so I guess my bathing suit and... Slides are not going to work. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay, I guess you're going to have an enemy in the desert that's just not your own flesh. Sometimes we think our greatest enemy is just like our own selfishness. And listen, I'm super selfish, so don't get me wrong. But I also have an enemy that hates me and hates any type of like glimmer of hope that I might get in the desert. You ever had a glimmer of hope and then it was gone? Like another thought just crushed it before that one could actually like, like saturate you? It could be you, but you also have an enemy that hates you and hates that you would have any type of hope whatsoever, especially in the desert. All right, tell me more. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, so if I could just peel back for a second the layer and we can look at the unseen world. That's what Paul's telling us. Therefore, take up the, here we go, take up the whole armor of God. This is what we're to wear, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, which is cool. I love that, in the, in the desert, I actually don't have, watch this, I don't have to go anywhere in the desert. I just have to stand firm. And the Lord will fight my battles and take me where I need to go. That's relieving. To stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer in supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Before we talk about the fact that I have to change clothes in the desert, let's just not miss what he's saying here at the very end. Keep alert with all perseverance. When I'm at La Playa, this is my posture. Hey, baby. It's beautiful out here. Look at the golf. It's so easy. I, like, no, I, I kind of like it better than our coast. Yeah, yeah. The people, oh, it's super cool over here. Hey, what do you want? You hungry? You thirsty? You? The kids, oh, okay, well, I, I should probably go watch them and engage and be a better parent and all this stuff but you know what i'm kind of chilling right now and what you know like like so th that's just kind of my posture in 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 la playa this dude's like stay alert like with all perseverance did i hear a noise what's that what's going on over there i got my eye over here i've been seeing somebody in the back right wait, wait, what about that door check it out check it out like like i'm ready i'm not legs crossed surprised by attack so that when attack comes, whether it's from my own flesh or my enemy or the world around me, I'm, I'm ready. 
So I brought a friend. I didn't bring a friend. I met a friend that's going to help me with this. You okay if I go get him? Okay, hold on. Just a Are you guys okay if I go get him? All right, you got it? Okay, hold on. I'll be right back. Don't leave. So I met this guy back over there in that room. Here I am preaching on the armor of God, and this guy shows up like, hello. I'm like, I got to use him. I got to use him. Hey, listen, this is what we get. This is, this is, our, this is our attire for the desert, okay? Now, let me, let me just briefly tell you about that and talk to you about what I'm trying to, trying to really say. This is, I, I'm not expecting you to get all, all this, you know, like this passage. This passage might be new to you. We're not going to do a deep dive in every thing that this guy's wearing and that we are called to wear. I just want you to get, I want you to get two words down, intentional dependence. Intentional dependence. That's what it means to put on the armor of God, that you're going to intentionally depend on the strength of someone else besides you. And now this is how you do it, right? Let's, let's work through this here just briefly. Okay, so we're being strong in, in the strength of another, all right, well, what does that mean? We've got to put on our belt, our belt of truth. We, we, have to, we have to know the truth. That's a belt that we're going to wear. I don't know if this guy's got, I don't know. Let's just say he's got a belt on in, the, in there. And, and the belt of truth for us as believers, man, that's the gospel. The fullness of that is the gospel. It's understanding that in Christ, God is great. So I don't need to be in control. In Christ, God is is so good that I don't need to look elsewhere for my good. In Christ, God is glorious, so I don't need your approval. And God is gracious, so I can quit proving myself. We need, we need to strap that belt of truth on if we're going to make it in the desert. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness right here. Right here. Uh, whose righteousness do we need to put on? Well, we need to put on Christ's righteousness. Remember, this is, this is a passage for people who have been justified. And so if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you're going to be very susceptible. You're not going to make it in the desert probably, or you're going to find a way to make it that's kind of numbing and kind of escapism. But we're not looking to numb and we're not looking to escape. We're looking to stand firm. And so we're going to have to put on the, the breastplate of, of righteousness, and the first breastplate is Christ's righteousness. And so we stand completely righteous because of our faith in Christ. But as a resulting, like, act of his righteousness, we also now live righteous. One of the things that will expose you in the desert is if you find yourself living in unrighteous ways and still trying to rejoice in your suffering. It's like you're sleeping with your girlfriend, but you're like, man, I'm trying to rejoice in my suffering. What's happening is you've left an opening for the enemy. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you're suffering because you don't, you're not dressed appropriately. You, you haven't armored up. What, is, what else does he have? He's got, he's got the shield. I'm sorry, he's got, he's got the, something on his feet. 
He's got readiness, right, um, with, with peace, with the gospel of peace. And so he, he's ready to be able to have peace with others because he has this peace between he and God. And so he's, he's an ambassador of peace that he's experienced from God, but that he's also ready to give out to people around him. Man, this is huge in the desert because one of the people, one of the things that the people of God did in the Old Testament in the desert is they grumbled. And they grumbled towards Moses, but they grumbled at one another. You will be likely to grumble at one another in the desert. And the gospel is that we need to stay ready to offer peace to one another in the desert. And then he's got a, he's got a shield of faith, which is an abiding dependence. He's able to bring that up when things get difficult. He believes in Jesus, no matter what, that Jesus has got this, no matter what, and it extinguishes the flames. He's wearing the helmet of salvation, and he's using the sword of the Spirit. So he's confident in his salvation and in his Savior. And he's also aggressive with the sword because he knows the word, and he can apply the word to dangerous situations. He has this dependence that allows him to keep going in the desert. Even though it might get messy, and even though when you battle, you bleed, this is a soldier that's not concerned about looking good. He's is a soldier that's concerned about standing firm. And when you're in the desert, that is our call because God wants to give you something. He's not gonna give you outside of the desert. And so my final word for you, Exchange Church, is, is just keep going. Keep going, he's winning. No matter what your desert may look like this morning, personally or corporately, no matter where, you know, the next stop is for the exchange church or, or, or no matter what your family's facing or what you brought in here on the inside or whatever the case may be, your word this morning is to keep going, he's winning and he's already won. You know that picture I showed you? It, uh, it had one of my favorite people in all of the world who hasn't always been my favorite person in the world. It's my five-year-old son, Cade. And one of the things uh, about Cade is that when, when we uh, took Cade in, um, we had years and years and years of, of Cade being angry and very hurtful, so much so that he like, completely upended our family for like years. I know he's only five, but you can do, you can do a lot of damage in, in five intentional years. And it wasn't his fault. I mean, he, he, was, he was just doing the best with what he had. But, but here's the thing. Uh, throughout that desert, and we're not completely out of it yet, but throughout that desert, there were moments where it was just like, man, get, get us. What's the exit? Where do, we, where do we make this stop? How do we get out of this current situation and what we have experienced over these five years is a little boy that God has healed from the inside out because of the community of Christ. And now if you were to ask my wife or you were to ask me about the hope of Christ and what Jesus can do in the desert to a situation or person, I'd love the opportunity to share that with you because I have a hope it gives me a relentless yes, no matter what's going on, that I got in the desert. Father, we ask that you would move in us 
Lord God, that you would fill us with that spirit of expectation in the desert and dress us, Lord, when we cannot dress ourselves. Lord, I ask that you would bring to faith and life those who do not know you by simply acknowledging their sin before you and saying, Jesus, I am a sinner, but, but you are my great Savior. I want that exchange. I turn from myself and sin and trust in you and you alone. Will you forgive me and give me hope in the desert that I cannot find outside of you? Help us all with these things, Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.